You're listening to the Mildly Controversial Podcast. My name's Mike and this is Baz. Say hello, Baz. Hello, Baz. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share. If you enjoy this, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, share it with people you hate. Coming up on this week's show. So I received my World Championship gold medal in a car park, a pub car park in Birmingham. Apparently in 1996, uh, when you were there, there was 15,000 condoms supplied to the athletes' village. <laughs> 14,000 were mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was hoping that as a uh, an Olympic silver medalist, the athletes' village was the only place you would have managed to come first. Oh, <laughs> uh, very good. In the Olympic village in Atlanta, it was so big, they had like... Um, golf buggies, yeah. golf carts to drive the athletes around. Anyway, so the last night I'd had a couple of jars and um, I fancied a McDonald's. So I remember Darren Campbell had taught me how to hot while I eat. So I did. And I'd been seen by the security and they chased me in their golf buggy and I was in the golf buggy. It's the slowest um, police chase since OJ. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. two golf carts going... <laughs> hello, hello, hello. And welcome to the Mildly Controversial Podcast. On this week's show, we have somebody who is a world champion, an Olympic silver medalist, a European record holder for 27 years, two-time European champion, a Commonwealth champion, and somebody who held the UK record for 400 metres from 1997 to 2022. And also was awarded MBE in 1998. It's Ewan Thomas. <laughs> Hello, that, that was literally spot on. That was that was a great intro. Thank you. Uh, you have to thank me and also Wikipedia. So thanks to everybody who put all that stuff on Wikipedia. So all of, so far, like loads of the research I've done on you tonight is clearly from Wikipedia. But um, so far, everything's. Everything's right. Is that but, all of but, that stuff is correct? Well, just about. I think you said European record holder for twenty-seven years. I think you promoted me. I think I had the European Championship record for. It, it was a bit less than twenty-seven years. But listen, at my age, I'll take it. So let's, let's leave it at twenty-seven. Sounds right. Like... It's twenty-seven now. I've said it out okay. loud. It's, Thank it's you. true. Thank you. It must be. It's worth noting as well. One of those golds was um, awarded ten years after you'd, you'd actually done the event, didn't it? Yeah, that that, that was that was a weird one. So it was the. Um, World Champs 1997, 4x4, just missing out to the USA, which happened quite a lot, if I'm honest with you. But, um, yeah, we did our little lap of honour in second place, you know, got on the rostrum, felt okay. We were a little bit disappointed we hadn't won it. And then, like, 13 years later, we get told, oh, you are World Champ, because two of the athletes failed a drugs test. So, it was a bit of a bit of sweet, to be honest with you. So, we were World Champions, but we never got that lap of honour as World Champions. We never have 13 years as... You know, sponsorship money as well, champions. Kind of, it was a bit of a hollow victory, if I'm honest with you. So, mm. yeah, it's a weird. Yeah, I was just saying, it's in the record books, is that? And then obviously there's a bit of a caveat saying uh, you received it two years before you retired. Was it 2006 you, you finally got it? Yeah, I, I yeah. think so. I can't even remember when we got it. But yeah, it was a long time after when it happened. I'm a lot slower by the time I got it, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you, um, how was that presented? Who, who presented it to you? Oh, horrific. Honestly, it's one of the most saddest stories of my career. So I received my World Championship gold medal in a car park, a pub car park in Birmingham. We never even had like an official, you are world champions. It was, yeah, it, it wasn't handled very well, if I'm honest with you. It was, it was quite bad in terms of 
I assumed as well, when, when you win a medal from a major championship, normally the medals, they represent more than just, oh, you're a world champion, you're a European champion. The medals are pretty beautiful. So the ones from Athens, they were, you know, they had Greek mythology on them. The actual medal itself was really, really pretty. So I assumed the Americans cheated. They would physically give back their gold medals. We'd get given those. But what actually happened was they didn't even have a mold of the original medals. It was just like a gold coin with a stamp on it saying IWF World Champions 1997 Great Britain. It didn't even look like the proper gold medal. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those ones where I'm really proud. Yeah, I've been a world champion, but it doesn't feel like it. On the one hand, I hate them for cheating, but actually the two athletes who failed a drugs test, I respect them because they were honest. They didn't actually get caught and failed a drugs test back in 97. It was years later, and they put their hands up and retrospectively said, listen, if we're going to be honest, we were cheating an athlete in 97 as well. So I respect them for having the decency to you know, be honest about it, but unfortunately, one of the athletes, Antonio Petrucru, sadly took his life uh, the year after this came out in the press. So it's actually a very sad story all round. Mm. So yeah, that, that's pretty. Um, I can understand that. It's a, it, that that's got to be bittersweet. You wish you had your, you, you know, your your moment of glory. Um, but then again, total respect for the guys that fessed up in the end. Yeah, um, and I mean, it must have. It, it must have really affected somebody so so much um, to take their own life. I mean, that's yeah. tragic. Tra- tragic. It's so sad because he was a well-respected athlete as well. And you know, listen, I don't condone any drugs cheating. You know, it, it, it cost me a lot of medals in my career. But as strange as it sounds, he was actually a really good guy. And, and yeah. actually, that came as a bit of a shock that he was a drug cheat because, in my eyes. I'm no expert with it, but I I associate drugs cheats as the kind of meatheads in the gym and bulging muscles everywhere, mm. aggressive. You can tell, oh, they're a bit dodgy. This guy was like a race whippet. You know, he was skinny. He, he was a beautiful looking runner. The way he's running style, he was fluent. And I respected him a lot. And then when it came out, he failed drugs tests. I was like, I'll beat him. You know, I was actually really shocked. But the whole thing's quite sad, really, because we didn't. You know, your career is very short-lived as an athlete, and we we didn't get that moment of glory. You know, we we should have been world champions on the night, and that was taken away from us. So yeah, yeah. When I look back at my career, it's one of the saddest things. You know, I, I should sit here and say I was a world champion. That's amazing, but in reality, the whole thing that surrounded those championships was pretty sad. But hey, you know, it's life. So, we move on. Talk talk me through then. I mean, you said that it was awarded in a car park in Birmingham. How does that? How does that happen? What, what, talk us through. Talk us through how that happened. Well, I, I think it happened because I think the sport was going through a bit of a strange phase at the time, and and, and I think the governing body didn't really want to draw any more attention to the fact that unfortunately people do bad things, and in sport this happens, and drugs cheats are not are not liked within professional sport. Clearly, they're not. So I think what happened was rather than do a big press announcement and you know, wait for the London Olympics or wherever it might be, and then we get our moment of glory, wave to the British crowd. I don't think they wanted that. I think they almost wanted to be hush-hush. The, the less we talk about that, the better. And unfortunately, mm. we, we were the, not the scapegoats, but we, we were the victims of that, if, if I'm honest with you. Whereas in reality, only two riders should have made a song and dance about that. We Absolutely. were good athletes. You're a team of four as well, aren't you? So, I mean, like, yeah. were you all together or did they just sort of meet you individually? Individually. 
No, oh, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. You were in a car park in Birmingham. I was yeah. like, Roger Black's at Waitrose. No, no he's just like, worse. oh, you can have that. Like, he's oh. in the middle of his shop. Roger, Roger's is even worse. Roger receives his in the post. He goes, he's got oh, his middle in the post. Sake. Yeah. Wow. So I should be grateful it was in the pub car park in lovely Birmingham. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. I'm not. I, I don't blame. This, this, the governing body for it I just, I just it's a bit of a societal thing I think I don't know it just was at a time where as I said I think they wanted to just sort of get it done and, and keep it under the carpet so to speak but it, it's, it's a shame it is a yeah. shame so do you do you still have the original silver medal as well then too bloody right I'm not giving up <laughs> <that. laughs> Yeah, and, and does that say on it silver medal or does is it just no, it's, a it's, medal it's, it's just silver and it will say a world champion of silver you know I'm gonna I'm gonna start a campaign where they take that away and wrap it in gold leaf and give you the say. gold medal you deserve. <laughs> Let's make this happen. Thank you very much, Mike. That would be lovely. <laughs> yeah, gold leaf. So the, you retired in two thousand and eight. Two thousand and six, uh, I think. So, I, do you know what, Baz? Oh yeah, I sorry, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't actually. No, you're not correct or incorrect. I didn't actually officially ever retire, oh, which right. was a bit of a weird. One. My career was cut really short. It, it just through injuries and. Yeah, it took me a long, long time to get over the fact I didn't get my chance to have my final hurrah and sort of, you know, get another medal and retire. You know, my body kind of let me down. So I, I couldn't actually face saying the words, I'm never going to run again, if I'm honest with you. So I just had a really bad experience when I did decide to quit, but I never admitted that and I just kind of fizzled out. And yeah, it, it was it was kind of a sad ending to something I loved. You know, like I loved being an athlete and, you know, if I could turn back the time I'd love to well we all would love to be 20 years younger mm. but I'd love I'd love to still be competing and there's so much I miss about that life but yeah I never officially retired I was going to say though because around about 2008 was when BMX was introduced to the Olympics wasn't it I just wondered I know. did you did you think that maybe there was a chance to go go for gold again in that because you were a former yeah. champion yeah. BMX rider weren't you yeah too old too old now but yeah <laughs> it, it, when I did my BMXing from the age of about I don't know 11 to 16 it was kind of a bit niche although it, it, it was a big sport. It was cool. It was a bit underground. But now, as you said, it's Olympic event, and everyone loves watching BMX races on TV. So, yeah, that, that sport, funny enough, taught me so much about myself. Growing up as a kid, I think if I hadn't been a BMXer, I wouldn't have been an athlete. I wouldn't have been a successful athlete because, you know, I learned how to win. I learned how to lose. I learned how to focus. I learned how to be determined. I, I learned how to be tough. You know, BMXing taught me so much. So when I came to athletics, I, I knew I knew the pitfalls. Different sports, but all sports have got a massive crossover. They really have. One of the things I need to um, this being the mildly controversial podcast, let's uh, let's um, let, let's get involved on the mildly controversial part. In is um, Ewan Gwyn Thomas is a very Welsh name for somebody born in Farnborough. It, it very much is, and mm. it caused quite arguments in our household growing up in terms of. When I started to break through in athletics, I had a, a decision to make. My dad's from North London and very, very English, and my mum's from North Wales, Welsh-speaking, very, very Welsh. And <laughs> do I run for England? Do I run for Wales? And for me, there was never, ever a, a choice. It was always going to be Wales. You know, I grew up in, in England. I've never lived in Wales. I spent all my summer holidays visiting my ground, but I classified myself 100% through and through as Welsh. You know, with the name I said, Ewan Gwyn Thomas, I was always going to compete for Wales. And I can tell you, growing up, when rugby was on in my house, my mum and dad would tear chunks out of each other, you know, <laughs> England playing Wales. But no, for me, it was always going to be Wales. And 
you know, I'm really pleased I made that decision. You know, I, I, they're a great nation and I was really proud to represent Wales because remember, as an athlete, it doesn't happen very often. The yeah. Commonwealth Games used to be every four years. So normally, Europeans, Worlds, the Olympics, you're running for Great Britain. It's only every four years at the Commonwealth, it's the home nation. So with a four by four, for example, me, Jamie Bosch, Roger Black, Mark Richardson, that's the British team. But come the Commonwealth Games, it was me and Jamie Bosch for Wales versus those two for England. So it was a brilliant little divide. When we rarely raced against each other, it was it was fearsome. I mean, there's always the added benefit of it's easier to qualify for the Welsh Commonwealth Games team. <laughs> yeah. well, do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, but without sounding an arrogant prick, I was good enough to run for England. You know, so yeah, yeah. it wasn't. I know, it wasn't I know you were. Really... The only reason I mentioned that is just to uh, just to give you a bit of a dig. And no, no, it's that, true though. Look, right. But weirdly, weirdly, my wife did it the other way around. My wife was a competitive swimmer um, in a younger life, and she was born in Ireland, moved to England when she was three, something like that. Um, did all her training in England, and when it came to your Commonwealth Games qualification, she was less than a second away from qualifying for the England team because she felt I'm I've been trained by you know I owe it to the England setup to uh, to try and qualify for the England team. Uh, she was less than a second away from qualifying for the Commonwealth Games for the England team. Whereas if she'd have gone for the Ireland team, she'd have waltzed in. You know what I mean? She'd have been yeah. the fastest time. So. Um, it was just a dig so that I no, had no, the listen, opportunity to you know show what? off about my wife being good at swimming. Well, no, it's because it, it, she's good at swimming as well. But, yeah, it's a dig that I kind of, not deserve, but I get asked that dig quite a lot. Yeah, if I I'm tell, Yeah, but if I'm honest, if I, if I was on the verge of making the Welsh team but no chance for England, then I probably would have. That's why I would have gone for Wales. But mm. for me, luckily, it was at a time when, you know, I could argue I should have gone for England because I would have won more because the strength and depth in England's better. The Welsh 4x4 wasn't as good as the English 4x4, but mm. no chance. I was always going to compete for Wales. Let's say, let's say so you know Vinnie Jones, are you? You didn't have to go to Wales because you couldn't get the England side. No. <laughs> yeah. As I said, my, my mum would only speak to me and my brother as we were babies in, in Welsh, but um, he'd pick up nothing. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I, don't sa- I, don't, I don't sound Welsh. I don't, I don't speak Welsh, but I classify myself as Welsh. And you know, I, I had some, some good years in that Welsh Red Fest and I was Welsh Sports Personality of the Year and, I, you know, I, I owe a lot. Again, that's easier to, to win. To, <laughs> to, uh, 100%. No, it, no, you are right. It's on Gareth Bale turned up. It, is, it yeah. was a shoo-in. Well, I know because I had Giggsy, Ryan Giggs. The first year I was runner-up, Ryan Giggs had won it and I was runner-up and I was, you know, it was a ledge. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, then I got it in 1998. But yeah. <laughs> okay, well, um, uh, what I need to tell you, Ewan, is um, this isn't the first time we've met. Go on. Um, and I know that, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I've been waiting for this story. Yeah. That, <laughs> when he said we had uh, we had you as a guest, I was like, oh, I've got a story about you and Thomas and it itself. So, um, oh my God, should I prepare myself? Don't panic. We haven't actually met. It, we've been in close proximity, but this is how, when Baz um, said, look, for the sake of everybody who's listening and everyone who's been listening or watching for a good amount of time, um, I think this might be the first um, the first guest that Baz has arranged. No, no, I've done more than that. Maybe. Uh, uh, a <laughs> few. On, anyway, normally, getting the, <laughs> no, normally getting the guests lined up is my job. So when Baz said, we've got you and Thomas, I was like buzzing. And I remembered this story. So in, um, I've got notes over here because uh, I've got an old man's brain. So um, you and I are the same age. Yeah. 
Um, and in 2010, when we were both um, 36-year-olds, um, we both entered the Manchester 10K, the oh, great, great Manchester run. Okay? Yeah. So from my my experience of that race is I was heading to the finish line and this you know, flame-haired athlete comes tearing past me just as I'm about to get to the uh, finish line. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, that's you and Thomas. I've only just, by a really small margin, been beaten to the finish line by you and Thomas. So I'm feeling really good about myself. And then just three more steps later, I look up at the clock, right? And there's one clock that says 57 minutes. <laughs> and then there's another clock, and I need to check my numbers here, but there's another clock, right? With the colour of your bib on it that says 41 minutes. <laughs> oh, so for about, no, no, listen, for about four seconds, I felt on top of the world because I'd only just been pipped to the finish line by an Olympic athlete. But it turns out, I've done my calculations because I'm that type of person. Uh, it turns out I effectively gave you a three kilometre head start. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Or you gave me, sorry. I, I effectively, you gave me a three-kilometer head start, and I still lost. So well, four seconds of my life, I, I was like, "I'm amazing." So well, we finished so, together. You know, it was just a different. <laughs> time. We finished together. <laughs> I mean, like, let's get back in that time machine you wanted to get in, and let's literally hold hands and just have some beautiful moment of running across the field. Your story of we met before could have been a lot worse. It reminded me of uh, many years ago. I did Master Chef. And um, I made the final, and I was very, very proud. But I thought I was never going to make it. In the semi-final, we're about to film. And MasterChef, let me tell you, is the most traumatic experience ever. It's the it's <laughs> scariest program. They're, they're ruthless. It, it, it's just horrible. Anyway, we're about to film the semi-final. Microphones are on. We're stood behind our workplace. John Turode walks in with a blonde lady. And... I recognise, and I'm thinking, I know her. Where do I know her? He's eyeballing me, right? And all the crew were there, cameraman, sound, makeup department, food, hygiene, they're all there. And he said, all right, yeah? And I went, yeah. And it all goes quiet, and he says, just before we start filming, recognise my wife, don't you? And at this point, the sweat is dripping, and I'm literally <laughs> thinking back to my past, I think, do I know her now? Because I definitely knew her, and um, he just kept me hanging, and 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 uh, he said, "Yeah, you've had a night out with my wife, haven't you?" And, I, and I'm like, I'm tweaking in my head. I'm about to take part in the semi-final, and he said, "You can stop sweating now." It was a mate of yours who ended up with my wife that night. But yeah, so basically, what happened many years, many years before, I'd been out with a couple of mates, and there was a judo guy with us, and um, he, he bumped into his wife and. Let's just say I think they became very, very friendly that night. But I knew I knew her from somewhere, but it was it was horrific. So at least our meeting story doesn't involve me. <laughs> Have I, haven't I? You haven't heard my story yet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I'll remember you, Baz, in those situations. Big, big bearded man like you. Baz looked very different back in the mm. day. Very different. Especially behind a glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny you say that, Mark, about like you know us finishing four seconds apart and all that. Like the amount of people, like they 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 think, like if you're a runner, you're a runner. Yeah. So I've done London Marathon and you know people overtake me. Go, well, 
you're an Olympian. You should be at the front. Yeah. <laughs> I used to run for 44 seconds. I'm, I'm the long distance runner. But the amount of time, like I do park runs and I'll have like 10 year old boys, their parents going, beaten boy, go on. And they're dip finishing me and all this. I'm like, yeah, I've got a target on my back. There must be an assumption if you can run 400 metres, you must beat everybody in the marathon who's not, you know, who's not an athlete. Yeah, you, it's ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? I mean, to, to, to be fair, you I'm quite disappointed that you can't keep that pace up for 26 miles. What's wrong with you? <laughs> People think you can. People think you, if you if you're a runner, there's no difference between sprinting and doing long distance. But um, yeah, I enjoy doing longer distance. Now it's, you can run slower, but. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, that's good though. Four seconds. I know it was four seconds plus. <laughs> yeah, minutes, it was, well, well, I'll go back to the numbers. I did it in uh, 57.27. You did okay. it in 41 minutes. Um, so you finished. Uh, I've proper done research. I don't normally do this much. But um, uh, you finished 511th out of 26,854. Oh, come and on. Let's have a shout out. <laughs> let's have a shout out to Christine Smith who came 26,854th by the way. <laughs> give her a Go little on. name check. Well, I hope she's listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have finished 511th and I finished 12,853rd. So still top half. So I'll take that. <laughs> take it. You did it. There's a lot of people top who don't even in run. anything in life. I'm happy well, enough. Well, if any consolation, I'd still be running if I'd started with Scientology. So. <laughs> Baz has got ta- you can't tell off his internet. He's small. He's got tiny little legs. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, I want to go back to the Olympics because um, obviously a lot of people who are listening, a lot, lot are watching, is like that's part of your your life that um, people want to understand about, and because and you know ninety nine point nine nine percent of people never experience that. So. Um, you were at the uh, again. Is is check if Wikipedia is right. You were in the Olympics at nineteen ninety six and two thousand. Yeah, so Atlanta but, and yeah, I got injured for two thousand and four, which was Athens, which was yeah. a shame. But yeah, so the Atlanta Olympics. It was my first year out of university. Uh, that was at a time where it was really difficult to make the British four hundred meter team because the strength mm. and depth was really really good. And yeah, it, it was weird because I came away from those Olympics and thought. Yeah, it, it was good, but it's just the beginning. But then, you know, injuries take over. And in fact, Sydney, I was injured. I dropped out the 400, you know, in 2000 and just did the relay. So Atlanta was as good as it got for me. But at the time, I never thought that. I thought this is my first year training. I'll only get better come the next mm. Olympics or the one after that. But it's just a life lesson where I think if something's in front of you, you have an opportunity. Don't think about tomorrow. Take it because you don't know what's around the corner. And and for me, as I said, Atlanta was actually as good as it got. Whereas at the time, I thought, oh, this is amazing. It's just the start of my journey. But yeah. in essence, it was probably the beginning of the end, which is quite sad. <laughs> Sorry, I just love it. You just say that you don't know what's around the corner, but you used, you used to run the bend, didn't you? It's probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, That's Baz. I'm, gl- I'm glad you finished that sentence, Baz, because he was like, Ewan was going like quite a bit, a bit melancholy about it and going like, you know, you don't know, it's like, it was the beginning of the end, and you just started laughing. But thankfully, you were, laughing at your, you were laughing at your own joke, so it was all right. It was all right. You weren't laughing at what you had said. You were laughing at your own joke, and that's fine. You don't have to be the brightest to be a 400 meter run. You start there, you finish there, you just run around in a circle. It's not hard. <laughs> what is it like to... Um, God, this sounds like a bit of an Alan Padge question, but what's it like to go to the Olympics? But... Uh, no, just kind of paint a little picture for us of like what it's so we all we see is what we see on telly. So what yeah. what do you like? 
What is it like, you know, um, meeting up with the team, getting on the plane, going to Athletes Village, doing like, what's oh, all, you know, it's because it's, that, it's, that's something you've you've worked to achieve, yeah, like your y- y- your whole younger life. Sure, I mean the Olympics is a pinnacle for any, any sports person, you know that that's the the creme creme de la creme to get there. Mm. And I just remember being overwhelmed village for a start. You couldn't walk around the village; it's too big. So they had to the public transport, little buses, shuttled you around. I think Sega sponsored those games, so there was like a games room where imagine as a kid. You go to an arcade place, and your parents are like, "You could have two pound." You got when your money's gone, it's gone. Everything's free, so you've got the latest and the greatest games. You, you've got free McDonald's. It's like within the Olympic <laughs> Village. Hell, me, the, health the food. biggest, yeah, health <laughs> food. The biggest thing was so the Olympic Village canteen. I remember sitting there, and just it was almost like the freak show of who's who. So you could sit there, and you have someone like Shaq O'Neal would walk in, like you know, you're talking like a seven foot giant, and then you might be wow. sitting opposite a four-foot-nothing Russian gymnast. But that four-foot-nothing gymnast, I know, is the best in the world at what they do because that's what they're there. But it was literally small, docky, skinny, tall, all shapes and sizes. You were mixing with all these people, but I, I, just, I just loved it. You know, it, 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 was, it was such an eye-opener. But I remember at Lanzel, I was sharing an apartment with, said, Linford Christie, uh, Darren Campbell, Jamie Bush. I shared a room with a Scottish sprinter called Ian Mackey. I remember we got to about day five. Bearing in mind we'd been in Tallahassee for the month before to acclimatise, get over jet lag. We're in peak condition. I was in the shape of my life. I was training well. And I remember I got to about day four in the Olympic Village and I, and I, and I, was, a bit, I was a bit quiet watching TV in, 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 the, in, the, in our apartment. Jamie Ball said, you're right. I went, no, I'm not, mate. I said, it's a bit embarrassing, but um, I'm going to have to go see the team doctor. I can't believe I've got, I've got ill. You know, three, three days before the 400 heats. He goes, what's the matter? So I don't really want to say anything. Go, go on, tell me what's up. I said, it's my shit. I'm shitting green. My, my green, my shit is green, mate. Something's wrong. And everyone fell, fell around laughing. They went, you've been using the, the Powerade machine a lot. There was a, outside our apartment. Where we had three Powerades. And I was, I, was li- I, was, I was literally living on yellow and blue Powerades. And it just turned my innards all. So there was nothing wrong with whatsoever, but two were sports. And you, you'll shit green. And I, I just thought, my Olympic dream is over before it started. And of course, I'm lurgy. But it was, it was all good. And, and it ended up being, as I said, a great Olympic Games. I, um, I made the final for the 400, which a lot of people thought, no, it's your first ever year, full-time training, not going to make it. And it was a bit random because I, I had laid eight in the final. And in many people's eyes, that's the worst name because you're on the outside you're mm. running blind in terms of the stagger doesn't unwind until yeah. the last sort you're of no 120. And bearing in mind, there's 110,000 people. This is before mobile phones, really. There were phones, but it was flashbulbs everywhere from Michael Johnson in lane four. And like, <laughs> when, the, when the gun went, it was just like I was blinded by all these lights I was right by the outside. And I remember everyone saying to me the night before, you're going to be all right with lane eight. I went, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. Because what had happened that year, in a really weird twist of events, my race agent, a lot of times in the season, got me lane eight. And I said, I don't want lane eight. And he said to me, you'll never know where you get it. You learn to run from every lane. And I got lane eight and I didn't panic because I was used to it. But I just missed out on the medal. I came fifth. And um, everyone was like, oh my God, you were at university last year. You must be buzzing. And I was like, I was really disappointed. I thought I could have got a medal. And I did come away with a medal in the 4 by 4 We smashed the European record. And that was kind of like the beginning for me, that 96 
I felt a lot of joy from what happened at those games, but I also felt the real pain of not getting an, an individual medal. And that's where I sort of really kicked on a game of my training. So, yeah, I learned so much from those Atlanta Olympics. And, you know, a big, a big thanks to Roger Black as well, who kind of looked out at me a bit. We were rivals, but I think he knew that was the last time. And in fact, it was the last season that he beat me. You know, he took a brilliant silver in that final, and I came fifth. And I remember on the BBC interview afterwards, he gracefully said, you know, I had to do it now because kids like this behind me, he's going to be beating me before I know it. You know, Ewan's got so much talent. And I remember coming back from that interview thinking, how nice, you know, how humble of him. Because Roger was a little bit posher than us. He was a little bit different mm. to a lot of the athletes. And, you know, I really took to him. And, I, and, and, you know, I'll always be grateful for the kind of advice and big brother way he was with me. But, you know, we, we, were, we were from different worlds, really. But he, he was a decent guy. Are you, uh, are you are you still in contact with not not necessarily Roger, but sort of your teammates from from your era of running? Do you still kind of like get together, or is there any sort of meetups that you do? Well, funnily enough, the four by four us four who got, came silver in that uh, Olympic final, we met up about two or three months ago, and it was the first time we'd all been together properly for probably twenty odd years. Yeah, and we wow. just met in a boozer near Waterloo in London, and we just got on it, and it was just so nice because. One of the misconceptions, even maybe from himself, but Mark Richardson, I say, I would say it was always my biggest rival. But he was a fantastic athlete and we weren't necessarily the best of friends in the 400, but then we were teammates in the 4x4 and a lot of people think I don't like Mark or, you know, I didn't respect Mark, but I actually had a lot of love for Mark. I know, I, I, you know, I probably was a little bit, you know, not harsh towards him, but he was my main rival, so we weren't really best of friends because I was threatened by him because he was that good so it was really nice to clear the air and I you know that night I had a couple of beers with him I said you do realise I think you were the most talented athlete I raced and he was like do you think so and I was like yeah mate you were really good you know and, and it was quite nice for us to all meet years later and I was old men and sort of chat through what we thought about one another and yeah it's good yeah but n- none of them were quicker than you though were they no no <laughs> no 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 they weren't, they weren't quicker but you know you know roger will say he was a better athlete than me and you could argue he won more medals than me i'd argue only i had three years and my body broke and i got injured and retired yeah, yeah you know i could argue i'm faster than but you know i think i think we all had a different merits like jamie balls for example i never really felt threatened by jamie in fact we were teammates uh, sorry not just teammates we were roommates we choose to share rooms at every championship. Mm. And people are like, but you race each other. I was like, yeah, he's my mate. But put Jamie in a relay, God, it, it, I wouldn't want to race him. Put Jamie in the indoor track, it'd kick my ass. 99 point, well, all the time, 100% of the time. I could never have beaten Jamie Bolsh indoors over 400 metres. But, you know, I, I respect all of them. They all have different strengths. That's a really interesting thing. Obviously, as a 400 metre runner, you've got the... Um Ultimately, it's an individual race, more often than not. And you, you, you've got to train, and you've got to think, I've got to beat absolutely everyone. You've got to get that mindset, and you know all the marginal gains that elite athletes need, and it's like, I've got to shut everything off. I've really got to focus. I've got to be the one. So I can kind of understand you not wanting, you're not being best mates with me, because most yeah. of the time, you are just going to be, I've got to be fucking everyone i don't yeah. care who you are i've got to, i've got to be so determined because to, to get to the level of sport that you were at and um, clearly i'm a fucking expert at what it takes <laughs> to be uh, an elite sportsman but to get to that level of sport um you've got to be ruthless and you've got to do all that kind of stuff so the, 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 the kind of um here comes a posh word the juxtaposition between that 
and being teammates and wanting them to you know um, do ev- do you know do everything for them at the same event yeah at the same Olympics that must be that must be mad to deal okay. with. The, the, the best and worst example of it is 1998 European Championships in Budapest. It was definitely between me and Mark Richardson to be world, uh, to be European champion. He'd beaten me five times that year. I'd only beaten him once. But I knew my strength was my strength. So Mark was a brilliant athlete. On the one-off races, he could run quick. But I knew when it came to three rounds in three days, I, no one trained as hard as me. I, I put it out there. No one trained as hard as me. And that's probably why my body broke. But I beat him in the 400 final and he came third and he was devastated. I'd ruined his dream. I'd shattered everything he'd worked towards that year, whereas I was doing my lap of honour. And next day, we have to meet up with the 4x4 and it was an awkward conversation and I actually hope he respects me for this, but I did something I think very, very graceful or nice. Everyone wants to run the last leg in the 4x4. It's the glory leg. You run the fastest split, you take the bat and move in. You come through the line, you're the, you're the champion. We were we were going to be European champions in the four by four. We were the best team by far. And I remember I said to Mark, I said, do you want last leg? And he went, I'd love to. I said, you're going to run last leg today, mate. And I ended up doing second or third leg. And I didn't really want to do second or third leg. I wanted to do last leg. But there was something inside of me that felt sorry for Mark because I knew how much I would be hurting if the night before he'd become European champion and I hadn't. So, although we weren't best of friends, I had massive respect for him. And as you said, it's a strange dynamic where you go from, I want to fucking kill you. I hate you. I'm going to, I'm going to ruin you in the next 44 seconds to the next day. Come on, mate. Run the best leg of your life. Let's smash it. You know, so yeah, enemies, best friends. It, 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 must, it, it must have it, helped. It was a range of emotions. It must have helped that you were clutching the gold medal when you said it, right? <laughs> yeah. Were you holding it up like this? Yeah. Do you want to go Ding-ding. last? Just <laughs> swinging it like that. And just going, yeah. Do you want to do like, oh, I don't give a shit. Yeah, was, do you, do yeah. you want to do the last thing? I've already got one. I suspect, <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially if you had the gold and you had the silver, you, you might not have been as gracious. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. But no, I just, I just, yeah, I just kind of felt for him that day. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I wanted him to come away from those championships feeling... Maybe I shouldn't have wanted him to feel good, but I, I did. You know, as I said, I, I, I'm not a horrible person. I, would, I wasn't the nicer pit of, of, of people when it came to racing me. Like, I was one of those people who could raise their game and become a bit of an animal when it came to racing. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm the nicest guy there is. And I, I really felt sorry for him. So you're currently still involved in the sport because when I spoke to you before, you said you're off to the, the World Championships to because you do trackside now, don't you? Yeah, so I, I, saw, this, I saw you on the, on the TV a few times. Uh, I saw you shouting at um, uh, who's, who won the um, the four hundred at the at, at the recent World Championships. Or is hey, it you, you, no, I don't know. British guy Mark, Matt Hudson Smith came second. You probably yeah. saw me shouting oh, no, no. at him. No, yeah. no, there was um, no someone else. The guy with the glasses who was a fifteen hundred meter champion. This year, just gone. Yeah, yeah. Jo- Josh, um, Josh Kerr won the fifteen hundred. Yeah, because yeah. I, I yeah, saw you on TV that. and like you, he was he was sort of shouting at you across the track. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, obviously, I, I, yeah. I, so, I actually, sorry, you and this has turned into a fucking question of sport. Yeah, no, it's no, actually, no. Like it's like you know that like home and away. It's like <laughs> yeah, home. Yeah. I'll take a question on athletics. It's complicated yeah. shit. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Um. It's, it's nothing to do with that. I've got the worst. I've got the worst memory for names in the world because I'm old. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it was it was Josh Kerr, and yeah, mm. I think I think. The job I do now, which is the infield host, the big screen and the crowds, I absolutely love it because I get so close to the mm. action. 
it's the closest I'm going to get to being a world-class athlete ever again. So <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoy it. It, it, it. It's a, it's a good gig. And like, uh, it's just nice to be involved in the sports to love it. But yeah, this year was Budapest, which also was nice because the race I previously talked about where I became European champion, that was Budapest. And then fast forward 25 years. In fact, my 25 year anniversary of being European champion happened. <laughs> Join the world championships and they put a little montage of me running on the screen which was lovely half the athletes thought who's this bloody old bloke in the middle of the screen talking I can't be the same guy but um, yeah it, it was nice to be back in Budapest there's a certain places you know with all of us you know I'm sure you've been places which hold it hold a big place in your heart and Budapest for me was was the one of those places yeah most of, most of those are pubs for me but yeah well <laughs> yeah me too now so I want to take you back to uh, the Athletes' Village because when I was doing um, research on uh, the Olympics and the Athletes' Village, I was like, this is all good, but we need to get a bit mildly controversial okay, about good. Come on, yeah, yeah, back to the subject. Um, so <laughs> there were some stats that I found out about the Athletes' Village that is apparently in 1986, uh, when you were there, there was 15,000 condoms supplied to the Athletes' Village. <laughs> For 10,000 athletes, right? <laughs> so the first question 14, I've got 14, is... Like, 14,000 were mine. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> nice. My first question is, if there's one and a half each, you're either cutting the second one in half, you're taking turns using it, or you toss for it. <laughs> I couldn't even say that without laughing myself. I wrote that joke myself. I never knew that stat, but it's the one thing I get asked more than anyone. Gordon, what really happens here? In, mm. this, it's it, you got a lot of fit people who've been away, warm with a train, acclimatizing away from home for a long time. It's I don't think it's a shag fest. People people think it is. I'm going to bore you now, and I'm going to I'm going to disappoint you. And you, yeah, you know, I've, I've heard stories of years years gone by. I won't say names and, and, and records and you know, things that have happened, but it, it, you're there to do what you want to do, what you train all year for. And as soon as it's over, yeah, you go out and party 100%. But our downfall was the four by four traditionally was always the last it event. The last event. Yeah, of course it was. Always the last event. So, so all the got, condoms have gone by the time you got to them. Then. There you go. We, all, all we did. All we did, we the four of us actually, this is really boring, but it was quite nice. The four of us just went out and got smashed in a pub in Atlanta. Yeah. There's no real gossip to it. I think we were, you know, a lot of it. I was young. Jamie was young. We were just like, we're going home. Got an Olympic silver medal. I, I was working at Next before this part-time job. <laughs> That's and I moved to Southampton. You know, I moved to Southampton, basically. you got to remember, there was no lottery funding. So when I finished uni... My parents are like, what do you want to do? And all I knew is I, I didn't want to get a real job. And I just said to my dad, it's the only chance I can move to Southampton to live near Mike Smith, who was my coach. I'd been going there once a week when I was at uni. And he said, listen, if you promise me you're knuckled down, let's give it a go. Let's give it this winter, see if you can make the Olympic Games. But I'll pay your rent. You've got to get a part-time job. Just to clarify, when he said he paid my rent, I lived in a shithole. I lived in a little bedsit in a rough end of Southampton. But I was grateful. I had a roof over my head and I got a job working in there. So I used to work from like eight till five and then go home, get a bit of food, go straight to training. And that whole year, out of respect to my mum and dad who were paying my rent, I literally trained my heart out every single training session. And I just got quicker and quicker and came away with an Olympic silver. And I signed a four year deal with a shoe company with ASICS. And I, I jacked my job in, didn't have to go back, bought my first house and 
I know it sounds bullshit, but my life changed overnight. Coming back from those Olympic Games, everything changed, which was which was brilliant. I loved it. The era that you ran in was like. It was a golden era for athletics, wasn't it? I mean, there were, you know, most of the the big names that I remember from from your era of running, and uh, and I'm guessing as well you you kind of joined that that group of people, particularly in this country, of being you know people that came back with you know, with medals, which was a success because we weren't we weren't as a British team we weren't that high up in the order in you know no. that part of the 90s. It wasn't until later that we started getting higher, but yeah, you were part of that kind of group of people that started to become winning athletes you know, actually, yeah actually you know, could think, be at olympic yeah. level i think well, i was lucky as well i think it's sort of athletics back then we didn't have 401 channels on television you know and it was mainstream you know and and success leads to success and you know it, it was a golden generation it really was you know from jonathan edwards steve backley colin jackson's you know denise lewis sally gunnels you know there, there was a, a whole bunch of really good athletes whereas today and i mean this with, with huge respect I, I think i think 90 percent of the british athletic team could walk down the street and no one would know who they are yeah and that's 100%. and that's not disrespecting their performances because we've got some great athletes at the moment you know keithy hodgkinson dina asher smith josh kerr jake whiteman you know madison smith you've got some really good athletes but i just don't think they get the coverage that that we did it's different now, of course. Social media plays a big part. We didn't have anything like that. But I just think I was of a generation where, you know, I'll give you the example, 1998, to make the European Championship team, Roger Black didn't make it. He came fourth in the British Championship, running 44-6. 44-6 would have got you a silver medal in the London Olympic Games. Yeah. The strength wow. and depth in my event was so good. The top five in Britain were in the top 10 in the world. So I was just around at a really tough time but it was a good time because mm. I actually think if if I'd been around at a time where you know 44-9 made me the British champion by a million miles perhaps subconsciously I would have not trained as hard or I would have been yeah. complacent but you know just to make the British team you had to be fucking on it yeah, we had yeah. to train I had trained so hard every day well I, I guess as well that at a world level Michael Johnson was around when you yeah, were I was going to say <laughs> he yeah, was, yeah. Yes. I mean that's <laughs> a bit fucking hard isn't it do you know what I mean yeah. Do you know that's, what? That's not really fair. Yeah, not, not no. content with being 200 metres. You had to go do the four as well, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. The, the thing <laughs> about... The, yeah. The thing about him, it's like... I actually really like him and I actually really respect him as a pundit. I think he's bloody no, he good on TV. Good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, for people who aren't of our age, they're like, who was around during you? And I said, listen, you know Usain Bolt? I used to say someone as good as him, you know, and, and Johnson was that good. Absolutely. You know, he, he, he was amazing and half of me thinks... Fucker. I wish he wasn't <laughs> around when I was around, but then I also think actually it was a good time to be around because he brought a lot of you know, a lot of eyes to my event. People used to watch my event, and you know, I, I, as a skinny ginger white kid, I would stand out in the four hundred meters as well because, with all due respect, the majority of the best four hundred meter runners were black athletes, and yeah, yeah. You know, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way or a difficult way whatsoever. But you know, the four hundred meters was kind of quite a cool event. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And and me and Roger Black and, and Mark and Jamie were, were waving the flag for Britain and, and of course Dwayne Ledejo, you know, there was other yes. good athletes as well. So, you know, I, I think I'm kind of grateful to Michael Johnson for putting the spotlight on my event. Weirdest running style I've ever seen though. Ever, Weirdest running style. Athlete, it'll, yeah. it, it'll argue it'll argue with you over a hundred it was the most efficient running style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that yeah. uh, right made back like you know, it, it was the way to run and 
who am I to argue against him? The guy could run 19.3 for the 200. <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, if the best person in the world at anything, if you're arguing with the best person in the world about anything, saying, you're not doing this right, it's like, fuck off. <laughs> I definitely am. And of course, his argument would be, look, I'll race you for it. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's like, I think you might find you're doing it wrong because I've got fucking loads of gold medals. Yeah. Yeah, he's br- he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah he, he was. It was a joy to run against him. Sorry, going back to you, so, look, when you said that you were um, um, had a disappointingly average experience in the Olympic Village, <laughs> you're fascinated by this. Um, I'm, I'm not fascinated by it. I'm just, I'm just a bit upset because I was hoping that as a uh, an Olympic silver medalist. The athletes' village was the only place you would have managed to come first. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Thanks, mate. Very good. <laughs> I did. Um, I did. I did on the final night get chased by the police though for uh, hot wiring because basically in the Olympic Village in Atlanta it was so big they had like um golf buggies, yeah. golf carts to drive the athletes around. And Darren Campbell, the sprinter who was from Mossside. He was like, I know, it's a hot wire, these bad boys. Like, How'd you do that? And back in the day, it was the old cans of Coke with the ring pull. So basically, he showed me where you lift the seat up. Basically, without a key, you then take the ring pull of a can of Coke and you, you break it in half and you put it, he showed me where to put it. And basically, it causes an earth or whatever it does. And you could hot wire and nick a golf buggy. <laughs> anyway, so the last night, I'd had a couple of jars and um, I fancied a McDonald's and where we lived was far from the, the canteen. So I remember Darren Campbell had taught me how to hot wire one of these. So I did. Uh, and I'd been seen by the security and they chased me in their golf buggy and I was in the golf buggy and I actually crashed into the wall of McDonald's and jumped and he didn't catch me, obviously. I just done a runner and got away with it. So yeah, I, actually, I, I got done for, well, I didn't get done. I, got, I didn't get caught for it, but I actually crashed a golf cart into the McDonald's wall on the final night. So it doesn't involve any females. I do apologise, but it was quite rock and roll. No, that, that, that's incredible. But I, I, I love the fact that there's this, just this really shit. It, it's the slowest um, police chase since OJ. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. two golf carts going. And it's like, it's all right. We've got him. We've got him. We've got him. We've got him. And you get out and he goes, Oh well, fuck now! He's really quick. <laughs> I, I like, I like the fact. Though, what I, like, I like the fact that so he, if he'd have run past four hundred meters, though, he would have caught you, wouldn't he? Because he'd have fu- probably fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go on, then keep running, son. If he'd have been like blowing out his eyes, going, it's all right, mate. I'll catch up with you after a mile. We'll do this. <laughs> if he'd have, if he'd have committed to it, he would have yeah. caught him. Next week in part two with you and Thomas. The only only tattoo I've ever covered up is my little ring so I've got rid of it and wow. honestly a lot of people are shocked by that because I've, I've got lots of tats and they got selected for Atlanta I went to a tattoo place or tattoo magic in Southampton I went I'm going to the Olympics can you tattoo the Olympic rings and fair play the guy went no I'm not doing it you come back from the Olympics and then tell me you still want that tattoo and I'll do it and I came back with my medal went there's me fucking one for a tattoo I've got a medal Anyway, I'll do it. Why do you think that's the only tattoo I've ever had removed? Because you seriously, every fucker does it. Everyone's got the Olympic rings if they've been, and that's why I, I, I didn't want it. Here's the promise then: if Baz gets the Olympic rings tattooed on him, his body, there is no if. Yeah, you promise to come back for another episode of our podcast. I'm going to come back anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
<laughs> oh shit! Sorry, boss, but that's it. It's it's been agreed. <laughs> when you're on Dictionary Corner, you have a little earpiece clip in, right? When it comes to you, and they say, "Oh, Joe's from Middlesbrough. I had a six-letter word. Can you do better?" And then you always notice the guest of Dictionary Corner suddenly is very intelligent. Goes, "Yeah, you could have had an eight, sophistication, or whatever." Yeah, Basically, yeah. someone's in your ear, and they say, "If you haven't got anything better." You can have sophistication for an eight. Is eight? I don't know how many letters that is, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs>